Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 11 to 1 on LMFM. LMFM. It's time for more Word Foolery on Wednesday where we explore the interesting background and origin stories and meanings behind words. And this month our mystery word is Lithologica and we were asking you without Google to guess what the word means. And can I just say, I know when you've Googled it because when you send me in the answer it's like you've copied and pasted it directly from Google. Nobody speaks that way, you know. Uh, So we're asking you to guess. Uh, Is it... Uh, does it mean the rational thinking using the left side of your brain? Does it mean the inability to recall a name? Or is it C, Russian construction technique? Which of these is the meaning of the words? You can keep your messages coming in on WhatsApp and text on 086-1800-658. And as always, brilliant author Grace Tierney from Stamullen is with us. How are you doing, Grace? I'm doing very well. Good morning, Sinead. How are you getting on? Now, look, at I know they're all Googling it. Some of them are Googling here. Some of them are taking a guess, which is good. But we'll put them out of their misery very shortly. But first... Let's uh, try and uh, pronounce this very difficult one. I love the way you just throw in a really, really hard one for me to try and pronunciate. Okay, let's have a go with this one. Prestidigitation. Am I right in that? Yay! Fantastic. Okay, just to... That's not because I coached you off Yeah, I was just going to say that was not because I got coaching off the air from Grace. Uh, But tell me about this now. Tell me about this word. I, I do have to just explain. I do look up the pronunciation of the difficult ones. <laughs> if anybody does struggle with pronouncing words in general, if you go to any of the dictionary sites online, the vast majority have audio files that you can play. You will get it in an American accent, but it'll get you there. So it's, it's a handy tip. If you it's a good tip. It is, a, yeah. A word in a book and you're like, oh, that's a really cool word and I want to use it. You can look it up. It's actually pretty easy. Very good. Okay, so what's what does this mean? And uh, is there a story behind it? Uh, there's a bit of a story to it, yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but I quite like um, con movies and heists, you know, Ocean Eleven, all that kind of stuff. Love that stuff. Grace, so me I and you like- are connected spiritually. This has to happen. <laughs> because you know what? You will not believe this. I actually watched Ocean's 12 <laughs> last night because all of the Ocean's uh, franchise is on Netflix at the moment. So there you go. I literally just watched yeah. it last night. I spotted that they were on Netflix. Trust me, they're on my two-watch list. Um, also, if you've never seen it, which is where we're coming to Prestidigitation, I promise, um, uh, The Prestige. I don't know if you've ever watched it, but I, I think it was Netflix that I watched it on really recently with the kids because I had seen it on, oh, I don't know, somewhere years ago. And then the kids said, oh, can we watch this? So it's about, um, it's got Hugh Jackman in it. Yes. very good in it. And a couple of other excellent people in it too, although their names escape me right now. 
But um, it's about two rival magicians and they're all, they're basically killing each other trying to be the top magician. But they do a certain amount of prestidigitation. I think the word's actually in the movie. It certainly reminded me of this one. So it's the magician's skill of being able to use uh, very quick movements of the hands and their fingers to make coins and cards dexterously appear as if by magic. I mean, it's not by magic. Spoiler, <laughs> it's because they've got great sleight of hand uh, skills. And it's kind of got a nice uh, explanation of how it came to be. So presti comes from presto, which is an Italian word. And if you think about, hey, presto, that's yeah. the type of thing. Like, look, here we are. Um, and ultimately from preste, which is French for quick or nimble. And uh, seeing the two of those together just makes me think somebody is missing a trick. You should have presto, pesto on a menu somewhere. Seriously, <laughs> I'd eat it. <laughs> Anyway, so that's combined with digit, which is the term for finger, you know, you've got digital and all that kind of stuff. And that comes from digitus in Latin. So it's basically quick fingered prestidigitation. Um, and that comes into English in the mid uh, 1800s, although I'm quite sure those tricks go way further back than that. And there's two similar terms which we also use, which is sleight of hand, which I, I think everybody knows. That has nothing to do with slighting somebody by giving them the cold shoulder. Slight in that context means dexterity. So again, very similar meaning. And then leisure de main, which is uh, three French words joined together. Leisure meaning, or leger meaning light. De meaning of, and man meaning hand. So it's light of hand. So the next time you're doing a card trick and you need to do your misdirection to make them think about something else while you're doing whatever you're pulling out of your sleeve, you can tell them all about prestidigitation. Ah, it's a good distraction as you're trying to yeah. trick them. Yeah, I love it. Uh, so the next one is uh, foible. Am I pronouncing that right? Foible is correct. Don't yeah. worry, you'll be grand on the rest. <laughs> <laughs> You've gotten over the bad one. <laughs> uh, yeah, foible. And foible was just in my mind because I was watching the Olympics last month and uh, cheering on uh, Natalia Coyle, our Mead Pentathlete. She did brilliantly, I think everybody. Oh, she did. She did. Fight that awful horse but um, she was really brilliant at the fencing like she won nearly everything that's all her bout like just phenomenal and I love watching fencing because I did it in transition year in school it was one of that's unusual yeah yeah very unusual but we all loved it like we really loved it I don't know who came up with the idea of giving a bunch of teenage girls uh, foils and FAs and going you know (laughs) have at it (laughs) <laughs> yeah. But it worked really, really well. So we didn't do self-defense, which might have been more practical. But if anybody comes at me with a sword, I'm sorted. <laughs> Who knows if that'll ever happen. Um, but anyway, I love fencing as a result. So I was watching some of that and it reminded me of the word foible. So a foible is defined as a minor weakness of eccentricity in somebody's character. So you might tolerate somebody's foibles because you love them. We all have our foibles, me and my obscure word history and love of anything to do with swashbuckling, which I blame on black and white movies on the TV <laughs> on Sunday afternoons. Um, but we all have them. However, in fencing, it has a particular meaning. So the foible is the part of a sword blade from the middle to the point. So you're going away from the hilt of the sword. And it actually bends a huge amount. So anybody that watched the fencing will have noticed that when they score a point, a hit on the, the body of the opponent, that the, the blade bends. It's kind of like, geez, that would almost break. But they're just really, really bendy at the tip. And that's the foible. So in the mid-1600s, we had that as a sword-related sense, because obviously they were sword fighting back then in French. And it changed spelling slightly, but it came into the English language, right? And it ultimately came from an old word, uh, old French word, uh, feble, 
which meant feeble. So it was weaker, it was more bendy and flexible. But by the 1670s, the meaning had extended to also include a weak point, not of a sword, but of a character. And Ooh. that's where we get foible from. So interesting. So interesting. I love the way you tie that in to the Olympics as well, which is fantastic. Um, so tell me, well, we, I think we know this because this is uh, you to an extent. Etymology. Yeah, I realised a couple of weeks ago, I've never actually explored the etymology of etymology. And I was like, oh, I have to do this. Yes. So obviously, word geek my entire life. I couldn't believe I'd mix up. Now, the the one thing, the important thing to remember about etymology is it's not the same as entomology. Entomology is the study of insects. And if you mix those two things up, it's just never going to end well. So, got to get those. (laughs) Don't be putting ends in there where there's no ends. Yeah. Yeah, there's no ends. Definitely S. Okay, so um, etymology has a little bit of history to it, which was kind of fun when I started exploring. So I didn't know any of this. It turns out that the Greek philosopher Socrates was quite a fan of etymology. So it goes well back. Um, He saw the task as being decoding a word to find the message that the ancient name givers had placed inside it. Which is all a bit deep. He it is. I was just going to say that's very profound altogether. Yeah, I mean, that's totally not what, what modern etymologists would be much more like the history of the word, how it transmitted from one language to another, how it's used. But he's all about, I want to know what the ancient name givers were trying to explain to us. And he never really defined what an ancient name giver was. But if anybody meets one, I would totally like to meet them. Because they have plenty to tell us. <laughs> yeah. In some ways, I kind of get it because whenever I go into Greek words, they nearly always come back to like a myth or a story or a god or a goddess. And it's like, okay, yeah, maybe everything did have a, like a story behind it back then. I don't know. It's an interesting concept anyway. It really but, is. Um, so we originally had sort of etymologists in classical times. That we had them both in Christian uh, countries and, and more pagan systems like the Pantheon in, in Greece. But they used to base their theories basically on guesswork. They didn't have records because we didn't have a printing press yet. So we had no dictionaries. We had no dictionaries until, what, 16, 1700s. So, like, they couldn't trace the evolution of a word because they simply didn't have that recorded. As a result, some of the theories were a bit flaky, to say the least. And they got plenty of mocking. So by the 1800s, we have uh, Gustave Flaubert, 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 the French novelist, and he wasn't impressed with etymology at all. He said it was the easiest thing in the world with the help of Latin and a little ingenuity. <laughs> Which is quite the put I was going to say, you talk know? about bringing people down straight away yeah, there. One... No, oh, 1800s burn, that one was. Um, and I, you know, personally, if I met old Flaubert, I would be giving him a piece of my mind on this one, I can tell you. Um, but when the word actually entered English, it was in the late 1300s. So it has been around quite a while. It came in via old French, uh, etymologie, uh, via Latin, etymologica, and ultimately from Greek back to Socrates, which was etymologica as well, but spelled slightly different. And it meant the study of the true sense of a word. So this is, again, come back to this whole, you know, the underlying secret meaning. Um, and it came from uh, binding two Greek words together, logica meaning the study of, which is where we get all our ologies from, pardon me, <clears throat> and uh, etimon, which means the true sense or meaning. And that all comes back to etios, which means true. So it's all about truth and meaning. They're really into all this. I don't understand why. But what I will tell you is, having studied it for a good while, the meanings of words just change all the time, century by century. Some of them retain it, and some of them end up meaning the exact opposite. 
So to be honest, I think Socrates was on to a loser. But, you know, he tried. He tried. He tried, bless him, you know. And yeah. as you say, that's why we have you on the show, because it's very interesting to see how words have changed and how we use them differently over, over centuries and everything else. Now, tell us about bolster. I think I know what this is. Uh, okay, what do you think it is? Well, kind of to big somebody up, to bolster them up, kind of cheer them up. Okay, it does have that meaning. It also has another meaning. Okay. Uh, which is kind of related, in fact. And you got, you're going to start laughing when you hear it. Um, I'm throwing this one in because it's a quick little Viking word because I'm finishing off the final touches of my Viking book, which will be coming out soon. So I thought, right, I'll give her a Viking one to get it started. So a bolster is an old word for a pillow. What? <laughs> yeah. My granny okay. had one. I bet some of your listeners have bolsters in their house. <gasps> okay. Anyone, anyway. Did anyone call a pillow a bol- bolster or did you know of anyone who called a pillow a bolster? Let us know on 086-1800-658. I suppose it is raising us up, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Exactly. And that's where we're getting it from. So it, it's a slightly unusual looking pillow. If you've never seen one, just try and imagine so it's basically, a, it's where a normal pillow might be two to three feet long. It, you add on another foot or two there. So it might go right across the, the head of a double bed, so that kind of width. Okay. And instead of being rectangular, and well, still fluffy, the pillows are fluffy, but <laughs> instead of being rectangular, it's a cylinder. Oh, I've seen these. You know, the way yeah. if you, you might kind of visit like maybe an old manor house or something and they have these things, they're like, uh, it, they're, they're rolled up, aren't they almost? It's like a rolled up yeah. pillow. Yes. This is it. So it's often actually used to support other pillows. So, it's oh. kind of, you know, the people that have loads of pillows on their bed? Yeah. Not personally my cup but some people love that. You'd have a bolster behind and then you'd have your other ones propped up in front of it. Or if you're in a fancy hotel, maybe you might have one. But uh, yeah, so it's to support the other pillows and then it's a supporting structure and then you have the idea of supporting, bolstering support or bolstering a person, uh, maybe in the political realm or whatever, but that doesn't come in until the 1400s. The actual bolster goes much further than that because it comes back to Old Norse and Old English, so back to maybe 800s or 900s when the Vikings bring it over to England. And it's also in Danish, Swedish, Dutch and German. So although the Vikings were well able for tough conditions at sea or in battle, they liked a little bit of comfort in their beds. <laughs> I can't imagine Vikings bringing their pillows with them, essentially. I'm telling you, the more research <laughs> I did on Vikings, the more I realised they're exactly the same as us. Ah, Some there you go. that you just wouldn't associate with them. But Bolster gave me a giggle when I discovered that was Viking. It, it, yeah. yeah, it really does. And, uh, you know, like those pillows, they don't look comfortable. I'd imagine you'd have a massive creak in your neck after using one of those. Yeah, but then equally, if you look at the tiny little blocks that traditional Japanese houses would have for their pillow, like some... Some people would just sort of prop your head and then it doesn't mess with your elaborate hairstyle. I oh, don't yeah. know. I like a normal pillow. I like a normal pillow. One or two. Yeah, that's that's plenty. Uh, now, lots, lots getting in touch. I think the majority, if I had to count them up really quickly, I think the majority might have this. Now, just bear in mind, I haven't actually Googled it either, so I could be wrong. Uh, but our mystery word, lithologica. Um, tell us. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. To put us out of our misery, what does it mean? <laughs> okay, it's Lethalogica. Oh, sorry, yeah. Lethalogica. <laughs> okay. The pronunciation is relevant at the end and the explanation, so I'm really sorry. Lethalogica, okay. Um, it's a rare word for the inability to remember a particular word or name. Ah, very good. Okay, most people saying B on the WhatsApp and text, so well done, people. And a lot of people, I'd say, I'd say haven't Googled, so well done on that one. So tell us about this then. Yeah, exactly. And well done for even trying. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. Yes, meanings on these things. Um, so, uh, unless you're one of these rare people that can remember everybody's name, I guarantee you at some point you've bumped into an old friend or a friend of a friend or a cousin of a friend of an uncle and gone, oh, cast it away. And gone, what the hell is this person's name? Like, seriously, what? And, and they're calling you by your name and you're just dying. That moment, you're suffering from Lethalogica. And when I discovered there was a name for it, I just felt so much better because it's like, I'm not the only person that does this. Um, so it is a relatively recent addition to the English language and it probably came in in the early 1900s and may have been coined by Carl Jung, the uh, friend of Freud, that type of neck of the woods, so psych- psychology. Um, but it is uh, quite an old foundation because it comes from the Greek. Here we go with Socrates' friends. He's back. <laughs> and of course, it's associated with the myth. So in a way, I guess the name givers do, do give us this one. So it's formed by forming together two Greek words, lethe, which means forgetfulness, and logos, uh, which means word. Okay. So you join the two together, you get lesser logica. Um, but it's got a nice little mythology behind it. So in the underworld in Greek mythology, so the underworld being Hades, where you go after you die, there's loads of different regions within that, and it's actually quite complicated, so I won't go into all of it. But there were five rivers in Hades. So first of all, you had the River Styx, and I think everybody knows the name of the River Styx. It was also known as the River of Hatred, which sounds dreadful. And it ran around Hades seven times, so it was kind of the boundary. Once you'd crossed the River Styx, you were in Hades. There was also Acheron, or the River of Pain, which is the one that uh, the ferryman crossed over with the souls. Then there was the River of Fire. There was a Greek word for that. I'm not even going to attempt it. Um, And it led to one of the regions, which was called Tartarus. And there was also uh, Kokituus, which was the River of Whaling, where souls that were not buried properly were simply abandoned. A very, very grim place. The Greeks were big on the underworld being dire. Yeah. But finally, we get to the one that we're interested in, which is the River Leth or Lethe. There's an E on the end. I'm not sure if it's silent. And it was also known as the River of Oblivion. Uh, it ran through the underworld and the souls of the dead drank from it if they wanted to forget their earthly memories. If they were being tortured by remembering the loved ones they'd left behind or maybe regret, they could drink from it to, to forget their past, which is probably a mercy, really. There was a goddess of forgetfulness who was also called Lethe, and she supervised this process. So I guess if you forget somebody's name, 
you've had just a little sip from the river and <laughs> 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 I love that story I love that and you know that happens to my husband all the time and he'll stand talking to people and he won't introduce me to who they are and I know he's 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 forgotten their name and this I know as well as, as I've gotten older I've realised there's no point bluffing it out just go I'm atrocious with names I know I know you I know how I know you and tell them and then go option <laughs> what is what know yourself on their mercy <laughs> yeah that's the best way to do it it really is Grace as always such a pleasure having you on the show we'll talk to you next month for more Word Failery Great stuff. Thanks for having me. Thanks a million. Grace Tierney. Fantastic. She has a few books out. She's working on another one. We'll have to have her back to chat about that. The ones she has at the moment, the story, the words the sea gave us, how to get your name in the dictionary. You can also follow her blog, wordfoolery.wordpress.com. 11 to 1 on LMFM.